Jesus said, Man cannot live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You're listening to Daily Truth. Now, when we say the world is an enemy, I know that it's become very popular in Christian circles to say, well, that creates this this wrong-headed dichotomy, this wrong kind of um, confrontation, this mentality of us versus them. Well, the Bible uses that language. Uh, The Bible speaks of the world in multiple different ways. So in one sense, the world is the cosmos. It is the physical creation. It's what God has made. And the world is underneath the curse of sin because Adam, that is the first Adam, our first father, he was not only the federal head of himself, of his wife Eve, and of all their posterity, all their future children, which includes you and I, but he was also the head of all creation. That's why when in Genesis 3, after Adam eats of the forbidden fruit, God literally curses not only Adam, but he curses the very ground. The the creation itself, the earth, falls under the curse because Adam was the federal head. That means he was representative of not only all of humanity, but all of the cosmos, all of creation. That's why later in the New Testament, the scripture speaks of of even the creation being under great groans, great groans and sighs, eagerly awaiting for the sons of God to be revealed. So all of creation has fallen under the curse of sin. So the word world is used to describe creation, the cosmos, which is under the weight of sin, under the curse of sin, and yet still the creation speaks to the glory of God. That's what we call natural revelation. We've seen that thus far in our series through the Psalms. Meaning that even the skies, if you remember, we talked about how the skies are declaring the glory of God. So what does that mean? It means just as in humanity, made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, human beings made in the image of God through sin, the image of God has been tarnished. And yet an image of God still remains, a vestige of the image of God. Meaning that the image of God in man, the the chief pinnacle of God's earthly creation, human beings, they're made in the image of God, the image of God, a vestige remains, so that we can still look at every human being and say they reflect in some sense the image of God, they reflect God himself, and yet the image of God has also been tarnished by sin, not utterly destroyed but tarnished so too it is with the rest of earthly creation outside of humanity that earthly creation uh, it still maintains enough of God's character to where the apostle Paul can write with confidence in Romans chapter 1 he says he says that creation itself testifies to the glory of God so that all men are without an apologia an argument an excuse Meaning no single human being can claim the excuse of ignorance. Ignorance doesn't mean innocence because ignorance is a lie. Every single human being, by virtue, without even a single verse of the Bible ever being read to them, without ever hearing a single sermon, without ever knowing about Jesus Christ, every single human being is still responsible to honor God as holy because creation itself is enough. It is a sufficient testimony not to save humanity, but it is a sufficient testimony to prove that there is a God in heaven who will judge both the living and the dead, that he has eternal power and a divine nature and he is worthy of worship. 
So natural revelation, the heavens, the skies, the earth, the trees, the mountains, the rivers, this is sufficient to reveal to all people the existence of God so that all men have been stripped of any excuse. So, just as human beings were made in the image of God, yet the image of God has been tarnished through sin but not utterly lost, the vestige remains, so too in the rest of creation outside of humanity, the earth itself, we still have a sufficient testimony. The earth is still able, it is still able by God's grace to testify to God's existence. And yet there are certain things in natural revelation that do not speak to the character and nature of God because they have fallen under the weight and curse of sin. So we can look at creation and the order of creation, the certain laws that God has put into play in the universe, and we can glean from this observation something true about the character and nature of God. And yet at times, if natural revelation is all we look to and not special revelation, namely the Word of God, then at times we will come to wrong conclusions because natural revelation has fallen under the curse of sin. For instance, death. When we look to the world, to the cosmos, creation, human beings, and the rest of the creatures that God has made, even plants that he has made, we see death. And if we're not careful, we could glean from that. We can conclude that God is the author of death, and we would be wrong. Because that's an element where the natural creation has fallen under the curse of sin. That doesn't reveal the character of God. That reveals the failure of man, the failure of Adam to uphold the covenant that God established with him in the garden. So all that being said, the word world is used to describe the cosmos. The word world is also used to describe the whole mass of humanity. An example of this would be John 3.16. For God so loved the world, the whole mass of humanity. There's a sense in which God has compassion on all people, both the elect and even the non-elect. Why is this the case? Because the Psalms declare that God has compassion on all he has made. So in God's common grace... This would, this would be apart from his fatherly love for his elect children. But in God's common grace, in his common love, God, there is a sense in which we can say God loves even the unbeliever. Even the unbeliever that God has not chosen, that God has not determined to ever save. There is, in his common grace, there is this general compassion for all of creation, including all of humanity, even those individual people that God has determined not to save. His fatherly, adoptive, eternal, salvific love, however, is reserved for his people who are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ Alone. So the word world means the cosmos. The word world means the mass of humanity. But the word world also has at least one other meaning. The word world also conveys the evil system underneath the domain and rule of Satan who takes people captive. According to Paul's, again, his epistles, his letters to Timothy, that Satan takes people captive to do his will, to do his bidding. Uh, there's, there's a verse in the Bible, in, in one of Paul's letters to Timothy, I can't remember if it's the first epistle or the second, but where Paul says that we should, we should argue, we should rebuke or oppose those enemies, our opponents, with 
gentleness. It says, respond to them with gentleness. And then he gives the reason why. He says, for you do not know that God might grant to them repentance, causing them to come back after being taken captive by Satan to do his will. So our enemy is not flesh and blood. We see that in Ephesians, right? Our ultimate battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities. But the reality is that these principalities, that the, the, the enemy, the spiritual enemy, Satan and all his demons, they do, however, take people captive to do their will. So our enemy, we have the flesh, the devil, and the world. And the world is good insofar as it represents the cosmos, what God has created. It's also good insofar as the world represents our universal neighbor that we're called to have compassion on because God has compassion on all he has made. But the world also signifies the unbeliever who, although there is a sense in which we're called to love them as our neighbor, we must also recognize that everyone has an allegiance. Neutrality is a myth. There is no moral neutrality. Every man is either for Christ or against him. And those who are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and submitted to his lordship have in fact been taken captive by someone else. That someone else is the devil, who Jesus says in John chapter 8 is their father. He says this to the Pharisees. He says that your father is not Abraham, not in a true spiritual sense. Your father is not God. Your father is the devil. And you look just like him. You're a chip off the old block. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And here you are lying, that is bearing false witness about me. And also you have murderous intentions in your heart to crucify me unjustly, to murder me. So Jesus says to the Pharisees, you guys are children of the devil. And their father, spiritual father, the devil, had taken them captive to do his will. As a special thank you for your gift of any amount, we'll be happy to send you a free digital book from our store. To access this offer, visit rightresponseministries.com offer. We highly recommend Pastor Joel's book, Am I Truly Saved? If you or someone you know has wrestled with doubts about the love of God, this would be a great resource. As a reminder, to get this offer, go to rightresponseministries.com offer. And thank you for your generous support.